The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. Thank you for being a part of a very large community that we are building together. You are making a very big difference in your participation in listening to the show. I also know that you are following on Twitter and Facebook. The numbers are growing just wildly, and I so appreciate it. And there's a lot of opportunities for involvement. And so, Take a look. Facebook is Illuminating Now, and Twitter is at sign Illuminating Now. And I always welcome you for a free consult. Just hit me up if you want to talk about anything, something good, something bad. If you want to be on the show, if you have an idea for the show, I'm really open, and I would love to talk to you. So qualityforlifecoaching.com. Four words, no spaces, no letters. That's my web address. And take a look at it. It's a pretty fun address, and it's really cool. It shows a lot of stuff, interactive, blog, lots of good stuff. Today is part two of a series about depression, about suffering, about addiction, about isolation. Where do you get your support? How do you find the road to healing through spirituality, faith, doctors, meds? What do we do? How do we Find our way? That's a big question for all of us who have suffered any of these things. We have the author of this book, No Way Out But Through. That's Graham Aitchison, who wrote that book. Graham's 30 years old. I'm going to tell you more about him in a minute, but he will share how he was able to navigate the road to clarity and wellness when doctors said he'd be on medications for the rest of his life. That didn't really fly with him, so he chose something different. He found something different. He, he journeyed a different road, and we're going to hear about that. I want to tell you that Graham's book, No Way Out But Through, can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Kindle and anywhere that you would find comfortable to go looking for a book. In a store, online, Googling, you'll find it because it's available. I've read this book. This book is well laid out. It is an easy read. It's a down-to-earth read. It's something you can understand. It's broken into parts. Take a look at it, if not for you, for someone else maybe, because depression and mental illness is all around us and in us, and we just don't talk about it. Graham's addresses, okay? I want to spell it. Facebook is all one word. It's his name, Graham Ian Aitchison, G-R-A-H-A-M-I. A-N-A-I-T-C-H-I-S-O-N. And Twitter is at 
sign Graham Aitchison, his full name. And he also has a blog, and you can look at his Facebook and look at his Twitter, and you will find the information you need or write him. So I want to just, I don't want to bombard you with too much data. And last week's show, I do really hope you'll listen to. This is a two part series, and I did give the blog on that. I want you to listen to both parts, though, because one is the journey that he goes through of the depression and, and not knowing he's even depressed. He doesn't even know what's going on. He just knows that there's a lot of discomfort in how life is going for him. And then he figures it out. Then he gets a diagnosis. Then he's on meds. And then he figures out a different journey through faith into a better place. So the two shows go together. And please listen to October 15th show as well as today's. So let me tell you about Graham. He is 30 years old. He grew up in Wellington, New Zealand. For as long as he could remember, he struggled with overpowering fear, depression, and anxiety. His relationships with those around him suffered, and his childhood was just really hard. He was confused. He was angry. He was misunderstood on a daily basis. During his teenage years, his schoolwork suffered. He began drinking alcohol. He was just not motivated, and he didn't enjoy life. It was more about simply surviving each day. Can any of you listeners relate to this? Because he describes this so well. Graham made a faith-based commitment at age 18 as he felt that he could no longer go any further on the path he'd been walking. It had to change. This was the turning point in his life and beginnings of a journey to healing and wellness. He was officially diagnosed with clinical depression and obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, At age 20, he was told he'd be on antidepressant medication for the rest of his life. That diagnosis did not sit well with Graham. He did not believe wholeheartedly that that was the way it was going to go. But in fact, he did believe that he could overcome his spiritual and emotional problems and walk with the fullness of health that he knew he deserved. Graham's journey has taken him far deeper than most and beyond the realms of conventional thinking into a spiritual universe that he was deeply entangled in, but he didn't even know existed. He has learned to understand the spiritual and emotional driving forces behind mental illness in his life, and he's begun to find real answers to his struggles. He believes the most that most of the practices utilized today regarding depression are only helping people manage the problem. Make it easier to deal with maybe, but that's rather an instead of helping them rid themselves of what this problem is. Graham's been deeply passionate about finding real answers to these forces behind mental suffering in order to heal himself. He has published his first book titled No Way Out But Through. This book was written and it's about Graham's journey over the years. The title is symbolic of Graham's firmly held belief that the darkest and most painful areas of one's life must be walked through in order to completely heal from them. So I think it's critical that we listen to that spiritual piece and that faith piece because sometimes that's so often missed. And as I've said prior, it is a book that is easy to read and really worthwhile reading. It will give you answers So we are on part two of this series, and this is the part where we get to hear how Graham did navigate to some sort of recovery and some sort of personal journey toward wellness that would get him off of medication. So I know a lot of you 
would be very interested in that. And if you listened to the show last week, then you're waiting to hear. So I want to say that whatever we discovered that's hard about depression, you know, there's always some hope and it's wonderful that Graham is back to walk us that road now. So thank you, Graham, so very much for taking the time for two weeks to be on the show so that we could have sort of the full picture of the journey. No problem, Lindsay. Thanks very much for having me back. Of course. It's so, so vital. This this information and this subject matter is just, I don't, I'm not sure there's much more relevant right now with regard to just mental stability and feeling okay with yourself. And, and again, like you said last week, education, understanding what's going on so that you can make good choices. Mm-hmm. So for you, what was the most important thing you learned during your recovery? Yeah, oh, the most important thing by far is that I had to learn that the problems that I had and the problems that I was going through were inside me and inside my own heart because there's a real tendency, especially when you're really struggling with something like depression, there's a tendency to really lash out at your surroundings and blame your surroundings and blame the people around you and blame this or blame that and sort of say, oh, if this was better, you know, if I had more money or if I had a better job or if I owned my own house or something, you know, then I would be happy. I need this to change for me to be happy. And I spent a lot of, I wasted a lot of time looking for something else that's, and whenever I found it, uh, then I'd just look for something else again. Uh, the most powerful thing I had to learn is that the real core of the issue was actually inside of me and that if I wanted to learn to actually be able to have some enjoyment out of life and have some peace and actually be able to be happy and be more appreciative of what I had around me, that I actually had to learn that it's not the circumstances that need to change, it's actually me that needs to change. And even sometimes when you're facing hard situations that you can't get out of, like difficult circumstances, those are actually really vital points because they can actually help you turn your eyes inwards to look at yourself, to look at the real problems, and you can actually find much, much more of a freedom in doing that. So, yeah, that's definitely been the most important thing I've learned is that, you know, looking within is is the key and that you find the answers to depression within yourself, not through relationships or finance or anything like that. So that's pretty insightful. When you're in depression and you're suffering from it, it's it's hard to think that it's inside you that you need to look. You you are absolutely thinking what's gone wrong or my life sucks or these terrible things keep happening or nobody understands me. You know, but you're, you're reaching for the extraneous of what are the factors that could just finally help me get my life okay to actually stop and realize what's inside me or something very profound. You said that when something really bad happens, sometimes that's, I don't know if you use this word, but you made the point that it's like an opportunity. It's a chance. Something bad's happening to really take a look and, you know, understand deeper inside yourself. What, what does it mean? What's its purpose? What's going on? How did someone help you figure out that you should be looking inside yourself, that looking inward was a way to go? How would you even know that? 
Uh, that was that was a big part of my faith journey that I was walking at the time, and um, my mother had walked her own journey in terms of learning to look inside herself for answers when she'd faced difficult things over the years, and so she passed a lot of that knowledge on to me, and I found it as I started to go deeper and deeper into my faith journey, I started to really realized that that was the key, um, not just from what she said, but also just from just walking through it myself and actually realizing that, yeah, no, as I'm looking in myself and actually finding answers, I am actually getting released. And so my, my, my point of happiness and peace is becoming more about um, where I am within myself rather than the circumstances that were around me. And and so was it specific things? Like did you start looking at, you know, I'm clingy in relationship or I, you know, did, did you know certain qualities that are causing you to end up with something worse? Like if you're clingy, you might get rejected. You know, did you know specifics or looking in yourself means just really starting to have a belief in the spiritual wholeness of, you know, like kind of on a higher level, like what, what does the universe want to tell me and what is my purpose and why am I suffering? You know, was it more generalized high level universe kind of questions or was it you were learning very specific things you were doing and you wanted to change those? Yeah, I found it was very, very specific things that I was learning that there was what I began to found is, find is that there was layers and layers of uh, wrong thinking uh, in my life that had come from, <clears throat> from spiritual forces that had affected my life without me even realizing it. And as I started to as I started to learn to face that wrong thinking and really started to bullet point it, and um, yeah, just just really face like sort of the the root of it. That was when I began to find uh, real healing. I sort of kind of look upon it as almost as like uh, if you've been uh, shot in the leg and you've got a bullet lodged in your leg, sort of thing. You can't really put a um, a plaster on it, sort of thing, because it's not going to get any better. You know, you actually have to reach in there. You know, with a pair of tweezers or whatever and and pull it out and it really hurts to do that and um and and the more it hurts um you know um the deeper you're going but it's in that place of reaching right in there and pulling out that infected part that um that the wound actually heals wow i like that i like that analogy a lot and i like that terminology layers of wrong thinking i really like that so That's something to know. Layers of wrong thinking for all of us to challenge ourselves with. So tell me what are some of the tools that you've used to help yourself heal mentally? What what are some tools? Because that's I know what our listeners are wondering for sure. Sure. Um, One of the main tools that I used was was prayer and I didn't find that um, not sort of typical sort of happy clappy prayers but just really gut-wrenchingly honest prayers where I sat there and just really poured out the depths of what was happening within myself and just learnt to really give a place to those dark places and a voice to those dark places. And I found that as I was doing that, I really began to lift those lift those burdens off me. It was really, um, that was a real place of release. Another thing I found was uh, journaling. And so I've got some... Um, I remember once when I was like in my early 20s and things were going bad and I just 
all of a sudden I just thought to myself, I think I just need to write this down. I just need to write down what I'm going through um, and how I'm feeling about stuff. And then I just sat at the computer and I just typed furiously for several hours and wrote several pages about what was going on. And it was it was it was in that process of writing. I was doing that same thing of you know reaching into those wounds and pulling out the infections. And it was dark and it was. It was painful, but at the same time, there was a tremendous release in doing that. So it was just like, in the process of journaling, I sort of found it was kind of getting it out of myself and uh, putting it on paper, which is which I found very similar. You know, how people say, "Oh, you've got to talk about what you're going through. You've got to talk about what you're going through." I found that journaling uh, gave me a very similar release to doing that. I think that's a really, really good point because I think that a lot of, I mean, there, there's, you know, there's no total substitute for talking, but what a lot of the goal is in any of these kinds of things where we say talk about what it is or even journaling, the goal is, I work a lot with the subliminal mind or the subconscious. Um, it's, it's a huge, huge passion of mine. And so things that are in our head, deep lodged somewhere, um, especially darkness, shadows, things that we're struggling with, things that are our secrets, things that we'd rather not talk about because it makes us ugly, things that nobody knows and we know they wouldn't like us if they knew. Um, you know, we push those into places down into the subliminal. and But the subliminal will always be chanting them anyway because exactly. they're down there, right? Mm-hmm. And so then yep. the, the behaviors that we do are the exact opposite. They're the things we said, I'll never do this. I'll never want this. This would never happen at my hand. I refuse to put up with this. All the stuff we say, it's actually, we end up doing then because the subliminals chanting pieces of these, which are really inviting those behaviors back in. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So journaling, I want to say my own two cents on this because I, because sometimes people say to me, well, I'll journal, but, you know, I'll journal if it's bad, or I'll journal only if it's good, or I'll, I'm not going to journal if I don't have anything to say. I'm just not going to journal that night, you know. And I want to say, I, I call it, this is a Lindsayism, purge and process. So I say hmm. pur- purging is we get it out, we put it out somewhere that is out of our, ourselves, which could be talking hmm. or writing, and process is... It literally, our brain is processing. Even if we're writing, it's processing something because we, it couldn't possibly not be if we were actually writing something down or talking. There's a process happening in our brain to make that happen. So the point is that if you write negative things, you know, how horrified you are by what you did today or what happened or you got rejected or something horrible, you are removing toxins out of your brain by putting them in a journal. And it's exactly. still there. Yeah, it's there to read. It feels crappy, but you removed it. You actually purged it and processed something. If it's celebratory, if it's good, and you write, today was a great day. Everything went well. I was, you know, giving kudos for all these things. Wow, you know, and people think that might be a waste. No, that's affirmation. And your brain takes that in as an affirmation that you did something right and things are going well. There's, and it gives you hope when you have affirmation in front of you. And if you have nothing to say, then you, I always tell my clients, open your journal and write, I have nothing to say tonight. I feel pretty empty. Just don't have anything to share. You're actually still affirming that there's space in your brain. You're affirming that today's a day where I have some space, which means I welcome more for my brain to have, which could be good because I have some space. I'm not completely 
full up and overloaded. So it's sure. okay to write. I've, you know, so that's, I just really want to back you on that whole journaling thing. And, and again, you were, you were just so wise. It sounds like during all of this mm-hmm. and after you're beginning, okay, so you begin this journey and you're, you're on this journey of recovery and you're doing prayer and you're journaling and you're really going deep and you're moving through faith and, you know, starting to believe. Do you ever have periods where you completely regress or you feel like you're going backward to where you were? Oh, absolutely. It was a very, um, yeah, well, walking through something like this, even when you're doing it um, throughout a faith journey as I've been doing, there's still very, um, you know, there, there's still up and down periods that are constantly ongoing I've certainly had that um, over the years. So I, I've had times, even after beginning my faith journey, where it was, you know, I'd be, I where I just couldn't get a job, and I, I remember I had one time where I was, I, I couldn't get a job for almost a year, and it, it was, it was. A, it was a productive time. It was a beneficial time because I got through a lot in myself that I needed to get through at that time. But at the same time, I was going crazy. And there are times when you just kind of flip out of it and lose the plot and just saying, oh, I'm just, I'm not coping with this. This is too much and that sort of thing. But, and, um, but you know, when that happens, you've just got to you've just got to hang in there and you know because that's really when the rubber meets the road i find uh one of uh, uh, by far the hardest experience i had is um i actually ended up going through a nervous breakdown when i was uh, 27 years old and that was i'd been just uh working too hard for too long and had just taken on uh too much and i'd um and and that was by far the lowest point, and I really felt like I'd gone backwards at that point because I'd actually just finished writing the book at that point, and I was just completely overwhelmed and exhausted and just completely cracked and collapsed, and I really felt like all of my journeys at that point, all of my journey up to that point, that I'd just been a failure and I was getting nowhere, but... In that place of absolute utter defeat, it was like I really started to learn some really powerful truths about some really powerful wrong thinking that had been holding me back, which I've um, detailed, in, which I've detailed in my book. I added a little bit extra to it after that, and that I saw was um, when I got to that place of complete and utter collapse. It was almost like a. Um, like a rebirth, like it was starting from the beginning, hitting rock bottom and uh, bouncing back up. So there's definitely been um, some ups and some very severe downs in the journey, but I've found as I've just kept on hanging in there and kept on applying the principles I've known to work that I've found a way to get through them. So a nervous breakdown at 27, I mean, again, how powerful. And after you wrote your book, which people would never expect because they think, Wow, you know, you've hit the ultimate success. You wrote this book. Tell, yeah. What 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 makes up a nervous breakdown? What what happened to you? Well, oh, for me, it was it was a whole bunch of things. Um, the funny thing is, I, I moved um, I moved to cities, and the city I got to, I was in um, 
uh, I was in a church and a good friend of mine actually came up to me and spoke over my life and he just said, I feel there's going to be a breaking that's going to come for you. But out of that breaking is going to become is going to come healing and breakthrough like you've never felt before. And then I ended up with one really bad job that I was I really struggled in for, for six, uh, six months that really knocked the stuffing out of me. And then... And then I got another job, which was great after that, but it was very long hours. And not long after I got into that job, I also felt it was time to start writing my book. So I was working, working for a week, and then, um, and then I'd come home every evening and every weekend and write. And I was just doing this for um, almost a year, I think, yeah, close to a year. And it just it just started draining on me more and more. And then when it all came to a head, there were several things that happened. There was uh, physical things that happened. Um, yeah, physical health problems. There was social situations that happened. Um, there was and yeah, just all the pressure just came to just came too much, and it all happened to me at once. And I just uh, I just snapped and lost it. And I ended up being off work for close to a year. After that, so that was certainly yeah, that was the lowest point by far. And there were times in that place of total darkness and defeat when I really felt, oh, I've gotten nowhere. But at the same time, during that time of complete breaking, I really felt, along with that, that I was making strides to, towards healing. That uh, where I was going deeper than I'd ever gone before, and I was getting breakthroughs like I'd never had before. So. The night is always darkest before the dawn, which is how I look at that period. Wow. Wow. That's, um, I mean, that's, you know, heart-wrenching and yet truly inspiring and, and both of those things at the same time. And I really appreciate you sharing that. You know, I know these are vulnerable things and I know that's what you're here to do is really sort of let this vulnerability out. And you did that in your book. And we are going to go to break. I, I really want you all to tune in because we're getting to the really good stuff, which is really how we're going to walk no way out but through. Like, what, what does that really mean? And, and what really does go on for Graham after this? So I, I would like you to tune in after, but you are listening to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We do have our special guest, Graham Aitchison, and that's no way out but through. Please Google it on the break, and we will be back very shortly. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness. Georgine Summers knows. As host of On the Edge, Georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams. Stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be. On the Edge with Georgine Summers airs live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. 
you'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Have you learned how to play the money game? There are all kinds of rules when it comes to money. Should I spend it now or save it for the ultimate rainy day? If I make a tiny mistake now, will it really affect everything in the long term? For the answers, tune in to Cultivate Your Financial Health with Wayne Firebaugh. You'll come away from each show with a better understanding of the rules of money and how it sets up your future. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time with a replay Saturdays at 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson, and we are back. We're here with Graham Etchison. Etchison, let me get that right, Graham Etchison. We're here with our guest, and he's talking about his book, No Way Out But Through. We've talked about a lot. This has been a two-part series, and I do hope that you go and check out the last week's show and that you then listen to this show because they go together and it's a journey and it's very, very compelling and very alluring really to hear. You kind of want to be drawn in, but it's it's hard to hear. And then on a lot of levels, it's so inspirational to hear Graham speak to how he figures things out and how he finds his hope, which so many of us are looking for. So that's what we have been talking about for two weeks. I'm doing a mini recap on the weeks, but we left off with Graham hitting a real all-time low. So he hits 27 years old, and he's writing his book. He's already been doing that, you know, so, but, but he's pushing himself too hard with work and the writing and everything else in his life, and he hits a place where he cracks and has a nervous breakdown at the age of 27. So that's where we left off at break. Um, he was explaining... It hit him physically. It hit him socially. He had to take a year off work. It's a big deal because, again, you know, you're working on yourself and it's always effort. You always have to take care of yourself. So at this breaking point, what, what was your support system, Graham? 
Uh, I had I had the support of um, some good friends and uh, family around me at that point. Um, uh, once again, my mother, who had been a really strong support to me uh, throughout my life, she was she, she was a, a very strong supporter uh, towards me throughout this period. Also, had some uh, yeah some strong some strong friends around me who were also walking their own faith journey and because of that uh, they weren't afraid to uh, speak into my life and um, and yeah they, they spoke into my life and just uh, told me things that that I needed to hear and yeah it wasn't uh, it was cer- certainly genuine genuine relationships that were happening and in genuine relationships you know people can speak into your life and uh, tell, tell you the truth and and they did that for me at that time. So, yeah, I was fortunate at that point that uh, I had a good, strong network of uh, friends and family and also a uh, psychologist who, who, gave me, who gave me some uh, sessions, which um, helped me enormously throughout that time. So at the time you had your nervous breakdown, were you off medication? Were you still on medication? Where were you with that part? Um, I'd sort of been trying to come off it uh, for a while, but it wasn't really helping. It, 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 I don't really feel it was the right time for me to be coming off it. Um, even though I wanted to, I didn't really right. feel it was the right time. And after I went through, uh, after I went through the burnout, they put me on put me on a much higher dosage than what I'd been on. I'd been on like two or three tablets a week or something, and they put me on to uh, one a day. So that's yeah, quite a significant increasing of the dosage throughout that time, which was really just just to help me cope with everything that was happening during that period. So at that point, a higher dosage of medication was certainly something that was needed. And could you feel the change when you got a higher dose of medication? I mean, was that able to calm you down or change the way that you were seeing things? You know, what what would you say for people, because there's so many people who aren't on medication or got off it, or but what, what would you say changes at the point that you get put on a higher dose to get through something like this? Um, I think at that point, because um, uh, the, they changed the medication that I was on more to helping cope with the anxiety side of things, that was when they put me on loxamine. Uh, fluoxetine is more sort of focused towards dealing with depression, whereas loxamine is more focused towards dealing with anxiety. So they put me on the loxamine, which did make me a little bit more relaxed, and it did sort of take the edge off things, which... I, I will say I needed at that time just because uh, you know what I was going through was just so overwhelming, you know facing facing loss of a job and um, just just everything that had happened throughout that point, seeing your whole world collapse. So it was certainly something that was needed to take the edge off off what was happening to me at that time. Right, and is that Lexapro by any chance? Does that ring a bell? Um, not really. Okay. Okay, I won't stay on it. I'm a little uh, obsessive about that. Um, Okay, so you're then moving through this phase. You talk about the support that you have and and people speaking truth and how valuable that is to you. And and so it's, it's... that's how you're getting clarity. People are starting to lay out people in your life, people, family, and friends, and church, and and and, and whoever's on faith-based journey, whatever that is for you. 
people are able to speak to you in real terms and are they telling you things to do or are they giving you reflections and perspectives of what they see? Yeah, um, yeah, some people have sort of told me, um, yeah, sort of told me what to do. Some people have just been happy to sit around and just uh, pray with me about stuff and pray for me about stuff, which has been a big help. Also, the people who have been walking their own faith-based journeys have sometimes just felt that, you know, they've just had a, a word or something that's just been dropped into their heart and they've just sort of wrote to me and they just said, oh, um, mate, I just I, I just really feel that I need to tell you this. And um, as, they, as they've done that, they've um, you know, the spoken spoken truth, uh, divine truth, I would call it, into my life that I needed to hear throughout that point. So now you speak about your experiences. I mean, by writing a book that I, I would ask you the question, but I'd sort of make a statement. You're clearly speaking about experiences. Maybe, maybe I should ask because a book's not necessarily speaking. Do you have engagements? Do you do speaking to different people or places? about what you've been through to help others? Yes, uh, yes I do. I've, um, I've had a few of them so far. Um, I think the longest one I've had, I spoke for about an hour at a, at a writer's convention actually and spoke about the journey of, of, of writing my book and just giving people some practical advice on that sort of thing and also spoke about the importance of emotional honesty in your writing and I've had other sort of uh, yeah you know sort of faith-based conventions that I've spoken at and where I've just spoken about you know my realities and what I've walked through and how much I've managed to overcome in my time and um, yeah just giving people sort of an overview of my book is that that's something that I really enjoy doing and it's just a way that I feel that I can give back to um give back to other people and um share my knowledge and insight from what I've learned with others and hopefully to be able to help them as well that's a big deal that's a really big deal and i I do believe people get helped by Hearing, like you said, you know, the, the truth and, and particularly of someone else's story, we can all write academic books and, and you know, and, and get academic credentials and degrees and stuff. But it's, it's just the truth, the heartfelt truth of someone's real experience they've been through and particularly if it includes pain and suffering and really if it includes a way out. Um, that's so meaningful to somebody. I, I, I think people absolutely choose to listen to that and so you know I really commend you for putting yourself out there and I wonder for you now how, how has your world around you and and other people changed you know how has your view of all of this throughout this journey what what's different in the way that you see things is there a way to say or speak to that oh it's changed um, enormously it's changed enormously. I think the main way that it's changed for me is that, you know, when I was younger, I used to look at, uh, you know, things like financial success and, um, you know, that sort of thing as a way to achieve sort of happiness, really, uh, when I was younger. But as I've gone through this journey with everything that's happened, I've, I've really realized that I feel that a lot of Western society, especially, it, um, it caters more towards wants than needs. And that, um, you know, there's a lot of people who have who, who, who are struggling with needs, but um, don't really know how to fulfill them and that needs 
translates into a whole bunch of different wants and society uh, you know functions on um, giving people what they want because giving everyone what they want is you know how society functions basically and what keeps everybody happy and keeps everybody financial but whereas what I've learned through my journey is, you know, I wanted I wanted to have an easy life. I wanted to get everything I wanted handed to me on a silver platter. You know, I wanted all of those things, but I realized that, that, that what I needed was actually something completely different. And so I, I tend to look at the world a little bit more these days and sort of say, well, you know, there's a huge difference between wants and needs, and that's um, – you know, if because um, I mean, we live in a world where you know just about everything that you want is at, is at your fingertips, really. Yet there's still so much suffering and you know depression, unhappiness, and that sort of thing. And my viewpoint has changed to sort of you know, um, if people learn more about their own needs and what their needs really are, and um, and and would find practices to fulfill those real needs, then we'd see a much happier society. That's my belief anyway. That's a good belief. I think that's really, uh, that's, you know, I wonder, do you, do you ever think about speaking to young folks or schools or, I mean, because some of these philosophies would <coughs> serve us well if, you know, to hear from somebody like you at a young age, do you, have you done any of that? Do you want to do any of that? Talking to young people? Um, not as of yet, but at some point, yes, I'd, I'd, cert- I'd certainly relish the opportunity to be able to do that because I feel there's some very important points that uh, could be passed on. Yeah. yeah. Well, if anyone's listening and you have anything to do with school systems or anything like that, I, I think it would be so critical for young people because um, what Graham's saying, we get caught up. You know, we make our way through life, but it's 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 – through these years that we get caught in what is, I, I always call, you've heard me say, my Lindsay is in the boxes. They're the predetermined boxes that we're supposed to get into. Get into this, get those grades, get that degree, move to that, get that job, make that income, make that relationship. You know, we, we think we know what we're supposed to be doing when in reality no one clears the terrain so that we could actually just see what we need and live a life that feels right. We're so busy trying to accomplish making our way, jumping in and out of boxes that somebody already set up. So, um, you know, it would be really valuable to start learning this at a young age, that there's other choices. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know, Graham, I mean, you're going through all this, and it's fabulous that you wrote a book, but what inspired you? Again, because you're going through it. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough times, and you go ahead and write a book. Why? What inspired you to write that book? Oh, well, I think one of the main things is that uh, I saw it as a real release for what I was going through at the time. It was because I was already well on the way towards burnout uh, when I wrote the book, although I didn't know it at the time, because apparently the sort of burnout I went through, it takes about two years to actually get to the point that I got to. And I started writing the book after um, uh, about a year before I actually burned out, so... Yeah, I, I sort of see it as um, it's just kind of like a really deep sort of journal that I wrote throughout that period. So it was um, it was uh, therapeutic for me certainly uh, throughout that time. And yes, it was it was certainly written in a dark place, being on the verge of burnout. But um, at the same time, I really felt that 
that there was a real purpose in it, and that um, there was, and that I had something really powerful to offer other people, and that um, I had something that I could give to give to other people through my writing that maybe they couldn't couldn't take for themselves that they needed someone to show them the way so yeah there was a couple of things the main one main one I think being that it was therapeutic for me what I was going through at the time and also because um, in that need for journaling um, I felt that there was something in there that could really um, impact and speak to other people when they really when they really needed it so was your journal part then, is that what you're saying, your journal became sort of a foundation for how you were able to track back the facts of what then became your book? Yeah, certainly. Yep, the journals I'd been writing over the years, they certainly played a part in it, um, sort of uh, putting it together. And yeah, I was journaling while I was writing it as well, and some of the journaling that I wrote while I was writing it actually ended up ended up in the book so yeah and I think the years of journaling I'd been doing before that actually um, helped me to become a better writer which um, impacted and improved my writing yet again. That's awesome. So what do you think makes your book different from other books in this genre and and people going to want to buy a book that could help them in any way move through mental illness, depression, clarity, finding a way out of darkness? Why is your book different? I just, um, especially because it's a faith, um, it's a faith-based book about a faith-based journey. Um, a lot of faith-based books on this, uh, on the subject of depression that I've read, especially, uh, are very sort of, um, I don't know, I found them a little bit airy-fairy at times and very sort of, you know, nice and sort of happy and everything's cool and, um, you know, it's no, no, no issues sort of thing. That's kind of the way that they come across. But um, with my book, you know, it was, you know, it's dark, it's gut-wrenching, it's honest, and it shows the real, um, you know, the real mechanics of, you know, using faith to get through something dark. And it's not always, it's not always pretty. And I'm not afraid to, um, you know, paint the reality of it, um, in a bad light, I guess, because, yeah, as I say, that's just the reality of what I was going through at the time. And also, um, yeah, once again, even with the faith-based stuff, um, I haven't really, I haven't seen too many other books that have really actually given real answers to these things, whereas I felt with mine that I've actually, as I've found my own answers in the depths of what I've been going through, I've been able to put them into the book so it's maybe something that's a little bit deeper than some of the other stuff that's out there which could really give people um, you know that depth that they need to help them and where they are yeah I think you know in in reading your book first of all one thing I really appreciated I mean I did appreciate your candor and your truth throughout and I especially I just remember around relationships because I think it affects so many people in in many, many ways, whether it's um, depression or bipolar or OCD or any things that we go through, um, it, it connects into relationships and we try to find the relationship that will stabilize us or make us feel beautiful or make us feel safe or make us feel well, not sick or whatever those things are. And, and the way that you described different things that you were doing in relationships and then what happened to you, what people were doing back. 
um, and and how that was affecting you. And I'm not going to get into detail because I want people to buy your book, but I want to tell people when you read these things, you'll recognize yourself. You'll recognize yourself, whether you suffer from anything or not. It's This is what we do in life when we don't have our self-esteem intact or we're not feeling whole spiritually. We do work with relationships a lot to try to find answers. And, and Graham speaks to this very directly and candidly. And it was just intriguing to read. And really, I just kept thinking, I love that he's putting himself out there when I was reading it. So thank you for that. And in answering what's different, um, I appreciate your answer on that too. You know, there are so many. And he's talking about a faith-based journey. And he speaks, I like that terminology because it allows you all to choose whatever faith might be for you. Maybe you're very religious. Maybe you're very spiritual. Maybe you're really not a believer in any of those things, but you create what is. Maybe, maybe you love the sun. Maybe you love the sky. Maybe you love grass. You know, it's, it's whatever inspires you to decide that's where my faith is or that's what I want to be inspired by or my higher power is this. And, I mean, you can look across and say that chair across the room, that's my higher power, man. Every time I see that chair, it inspires me to get stuff done. You know, you can make it anything you want. And I really appreciate a faith-based journey, though. You know, what, what, what faith do you have? What do you believe in? And what makes a difference for you? So, anyway, I just really, um, his, his book will speak to this, and you will see that, and you will really appreciate how he lays it out. What parts of your life, Graham, what parts have changed thanks to being on this journey? Oh, just everything, really. I mean, just, yeah, everything's changed. I mean, my, my outlook has changed. My worldview has changed. My beliefs on, my beliefs on depression, uh, mental illness have changed. I think the main thing that's changed for me is that I've recognized, um, in a lot of ways, I've recognized the importance of actually embracing difficult times and actually um, using those difficult times as kind of a mirror to help you look at yourself. And that was ne- not something that I ever wanted to do before. I just, you know, I didn't want to deal with anything and just wanted distraction after distraction because that makes you feel good and gives a sort of instantaneous release that doesn't last. I've come to really appreciate the importance of actually, you know, facing difficulty and not running away from it, but actually standing, standing in it, um, standing in the fire, if you will, yeah. and um, and 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 growing in it and not running away, because you know it's through doing that that I've seen the greatest change and the greatest breakthroughs in my life. So yeah, that that would definitely be the main thing that's changed for me. That's inspiring. And, and we do have to move to close of show. I want to ask you a question that's precious. Um, I, I'm sorry to rush you because I'll need a quick answer, but, I, but it's sure. an important question. What do you want to say to those who are struggling with depression and those looking for hope? I think the main thing that I'd want to tell them is that um, the answers that you're looking for most of them are actually going to be found within yourself and within your own heart. You know, there there is hope for you. I mean, there there might be things in your heart and in your life that you just don't understand at the moment, but there is that hope and that understanding that's available. There are people around you who go through this stuff as well. It's um, it shouldn't be a taboo subject. Subject. It should be something that you're okay with. Um, 
that that it's free to talk about. And if you yeah. talk to someone about it who doesn't understand, then um, talk to someone else and don't be afraid to uh, you know look at books and that sort of thing that talk about this subject because. You know, you may find some real answers in there as well. But there is, if someone like me can um, can survive and come out the other side in one piece, then um, then you can as well. Thank you, Graham. Thank you for being on the show, and I know you're staying with me, but I'm going to close it up. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Today we talked about depression, mental health challenges, struggles, where to find support, what are tools. How to, how to walk this journey, no way out but through, you know, what it is to walk with faith and prayer and support and family and psychologists and anyone that you might think you need and that is willing to validate what you're going through. There's a lot of wisdom here. Lindsay's life secret. So here's my secret. Graham's story is precious. And if you don't read it for yourself, it would be so valuable for you to read it, even for someone you might be able to help. Depression has nothing to do with your materials or your grades or your looks or your success. It is innately wired as a darkness, and it's far more spiritual than society or doctors claim it to be. It is real. It is lonely. It is scary. We all need to talk out loud about each individual's needs. We need to build a support system for anyone who suffers. And most of all, we need to contribute to their clarity not contribute to their darkness by using judgment or stigma. I said last week that I suffer from depression, and I also said that it was not until I had a worldwide radio show. I never felt safe to declare that. Now I would feel irresponsible to omit it. We need to change what it takes to allow someone to feel safe to discuss this. I want to talk to you about next week. We're going to have our guest, Alan C. Fox. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He's endorsed by Bill Cosby. He wrote a book called People Tools, and he's already written a new book. It's being, well, it just was released, and it's People Tools for Business. And Alan is just a wealth of knowledge. He has degrees in accounting, law, education, writing. He's the founder, editor, and publisher of Rattle. It's one of the most respected literary magazines in the United States. He sits on the board of many nonprofits. He wants to inspire people to a higher quality of life. So People Tools is the business, and it's compiled for all of us. It's 50 strategies. I've read it. It's wonderful. You carry it with you. I carry People Tools with me, his first book, which is 54 Strategies. This is 50 Strategies, but you would still use this every day because of how he writes it. It's amazing. So you're all busy people. You're choosing really carefully how to spend your time. You are choosing this show. I will always be grateful and say thank you. 30,000 Strong says we're all in this together. Thanks to Graham Aitchison. Please look up No Way Out But Through. I'm your host, Lindsay Levinson. We're on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And people, have a memorable and a really valuable week. I really appreciate your support. I appreciate your participation. And Graham will appreciate you taking a look at his book because I guarantee it will help someone's life. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.